Hello everyone, welcome back to OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. Many J-Fashion enthusiasts have experiences and treasured memories of flipping through various magazines, admiring the spreads. But, quote, I buy them for the articles isn't an excuse when many Westerners can't read Japanese. Thankfully, there's been an influx of magazine releases in the past five years after the temporary closure of Fruits Magazine, many with English options. Today, we're talking with Leah and Kat from Papillon to talk about how the Garu Magazine came to be. But before we get into that, let's get into some news and updates for this month. Positive things are happening, finally, at least... In, like, our personal lives, which is, like, (laughs) bare minimum. (laughs) So what's going on, Hayden? Got some big news. A few really nice things, a few little things. Got a new tripod for photos, which is really nice, and it has a ring light. So I'm like, ooh, ah, I'm finally one of the cool kids with my ring light. I got a new webcam. If you take a look at our TikTok, you may see, you're going to see my nice new webcam. 720p, baby. We love it. My belated Christmas and birthday gifts are coming in. Um, I'm wearing a pair of bloomers that my sister uh, gave me money to buy. (laughs) My tax return came in which is, oh, needed it. So I put half of it into savings, and then the other half, I bought myself a beautiful pair of gothic John Fluvogs that were half off. They were like $200, and I've never spent that much money on anything, except like a computer. So that was a big step. And like, again, half off. They were like $400 originally, so like... What do they ah, look like? They are so cool. They're a pair of high heel boots. I guess you could call them booties. The heel goes like whoop. It's like almost like a Victorian style heel, but more dramatic. The shoes are all black. And the toe is what's called a swordfish toe. It's like a pointed toe, but like the first part of the pointed toe is raised. It's really weird. I I can hardly explain it, but they are beautiful. You know, when I was ordering them, I talked with my partner and I talked with Jesse and I was like, I don't know which pair to get. Like, I like all three of these. And my partner and Jesse were both like, you should go with like either one of these two because you can wear them more often and wear them with more things. And like, you'll be able to wear them every day. And I'm like, Okay, but if I'm buying $200 shoes, I want to go big or go home. Right, that's true too. Yeah, yeah. I already have a pair of everyday shoes, and those are my Doc Martens. They last, and they're working well, and I they're beat up. Like, I bought those Doc Martens to last me a long time, so I could get them beat to hell. <laughs> if I'm buying a pair of John Fluvogs, yeah, I want them to last, but... I also want to be a sexy bad bitch. Like, I I had to. I had to. So I went with the more dramatic heel. I'm very, very excited. Uh, They should come on Monday. So big purchase. Other purchases coming in finally. And I finally got a new job, which is amazing and exciting because it is in my field. I am officially a podcast producer, professional 
like getting paid money. And like, yes, okay, podcast technically is professional, but like $30 right. profit a year yeah. is... <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm working for someone else. I have a boss now, which is very, very exciting. So I, it's only part-time and it doesn't pay as much as I would like it to, but it was the first thing that came my way. Not even the first thing. I had a prospect in December that fell through because they were like, we, some stuff came up and we have to pause hiring indefinitely. And I'm like, Ugh. but it's the first thing that has pulled through for me. So I was like, yes, I just need a job. I need anything. Right. And it's, it's just, it's a stepping stone. And also like I've been out of work for a few months. I don't think I would be able to jump back into like full-time work right away. I need to ease into it. And so after a little bit, I'll probably uh, have a second job soon. Uh, again, hopefully in my field. Because I just don't want to do retail anymore. So that is my little update. All the cool stuff. Things are finally starting to like go my way. <laughs> which is something that wasn't happening for like the past three months. That's awesome though. Tell us about your life updates. Alright, so I guess my first update was like I like trimmed off like half of my eyebrows. And that was like a big step for me because I always felt like, oh, but what if like I'm going to feel self-conscious about going outside with like not all of my eyebrows and how do these people do this where they go, where they cut off their whole eyebrow and then they're just like, yeah, whatever. I went to class. There's like no guide. Yeah. But I'm thinking like, hey, if I don't like it. You know, we're mostly inside. And I've got to say, like, I really enjoy having the half eyebrows. Like, even without me, like, doing any makeup to them. They grow back quickly because I'm just trimming them. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, this is cool. This is awesome. Um, and I've been able to already put together some looks, some makeup looks with them that I'm just like, oh, yay, more eye makeup can fit because... You know, not so much eyebrow. <laughs> I can move my brows up here. Yeah, exactly. So I really want to try a gallery look with them since I can make my eyebrows more angled. That'd be really cool. Are you thinking about taking the plunge and trimming off the, all of it? Uh, not yet. That hasn't come <laughs> into my mind. <laughs> you know, maybe sometime. I guess I don't feel like I have to yet. Yeah. <laughs> And then I did, like, I guess, an experimental look of, like, 80s decor, I guess I'm kind of thinking about it as. It's kind of like, um, what if decor had its peak in the 80s instead of the 90s kind of idea? I thought it would be, like, lots of, like, neons, fishnets, but more, like, you know, spikes and studs and leather yeah, and I mean, it would still have like, you know, a bunch of bows or things like that. And then like I did black and white checker pattern. It kind of makes me think of like Spank's punkier sister. Because like Spank has the polka dots, but then like 80s decor would be like the black and white checkerboard print as its main symbol, I guess. Yes, super cool. But yeah, I mean, I tried this look out. Usually when I do these things, it's not totally on purpose. It was just like, I'm trying to wear this black and white checkerboard overalls. How am I gonna style this, but also make it decora? 
And then once I got done, I was just like, oh, wow, this looks like I'm like 80s, but also like Decora. Like, let me try to explain this a little bit more. Um, and then I took pictures for it and then like did all these like edits, added grain and like stickers that are like cassette tapes. Classic. To kind of like give the vibe, I guess, that the uh, clothing was giving. It was a fun outfit to wear. I took a bunch of photos of it and it's on Instagram. So if you wanted to see it and it's like my background thing on my phone now, I'm like, yay, I love this look. I really want to do more. <laughs> it makes me want to buy the um, Gloomy Bear X ACDC rag collaboration and get like at least like the hoodie part with the checkerboard and just like, ooh, I got to get more checkerboard things. Having yourself as your phone background is like peak confidence. <laughs> like I wish I could be that. <laughs> After I did it, I was just like, oh, I don't think this is what people do. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> I'm doing it. Oh, me and Simon is like the lock screen, but like, yep, my background is just me in this outfit. <laughs> I mean, like, usually I'll put other people's outfits as my phone background for like inspiration, but <laughs> whole nother level, Kamila right. is like, I am the best and I am gonna, this, me. Me. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna look at me every day. <laughs> but you know what? I totally get it because I also, like, I look at my own pictures on Instagram a lot and I'm just like, wow, I look so good there. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. Just like, yeah, that was a good time. I need to go, I need to go back to that hairstyle or something. <laughs> <laughs> so funny and then i also like found out about this facebook group called disabled lolitas someone posted this in the k club facebook group as a part of like the sps day i run two groups that i'd like to invite people to that's what the original poster is saying the first one is disabled lolitas where we can post things related to egl and j fashion and our disabilities it's for any questions posts cord picks, whatever you want, as long as it's J fashion or disability related. And the second one they wanted to talk about was Dakota EGL. So if you're in the the Dakota area, either Dakotas, <laughs> they figured because there's no com there officially would make one. You know, if there's other people in the area, then there's some place to con congregate. I'm sure there were some people um, already joined the group and everything. That is my biggest fear is like if I ever do move away from Chicago, my biggest like must have is that I have to go to a place that has easy access to a J fashion group. Mm. I can go anywhere. Not really. No, I don't want to go anywhere. But <laughs> if the place that I have to move to doesn't have a J fashion community, <laughs> I'm not going. I, I can't. J fashion com or bust. Yes, I am too goddamn invested in this hobby that it has to be there. I can't just do it alone. It is... If I do it alone, I get sad. <laughs> like, I want my friends. Yeah, I just, like, I want to be close by, to, like, fun events. And it's just, like, like anybody who, I mean, lives somewhere wants to be in a place where they're just like, oh, okay, there's things for me to do. There's things that support my interests and hobbies and stuff. And it's just, like, if there's no, like, J fashion there, like, that's my big connecting hobby. It's, like, I like pro wrestling 
But hanging out with, the, I've tried hanging out with the pro wrestler people. No <laughs> offense to the pro wrestler. <laughs> I can imagine they get intense. <laughs> but that's just not my calm. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a different environment just being like a newbie in the um, Lolita community and everybody's talking about the prints from like 20 years ago. That's how it's like being in like the wrestler com. It's just like everybody's talking about the wrestlers from like, you know, 20 years ago and they're like, yeah. You don't want to have to do that research again. You already did the research for one hobby. One is enough. Right. One is is enough. And I'm just like, yeah. And the culture's different. It's a lot of guys. Cis head. A lot of white. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. They wear the same things though. They'll wear like this um, jean vest with a bunch of buttons on it and all the buttons have like wrestler things. And then like they have their wrestler shirt and then they have the jeans. (laughs) Maybe skinny jeans, maybe not. Maybe and jean shorts, sneakers. like cutoffs. Yeah, maybe jean shorts. Yeah, yeah. Simon felt like when we went to our first, like, well, not our first, but we went to a wrestling event. He was like so proud of this like vest that he like decked out in these different enamel pins and stuff. And he's just like, yeah, I'm so cool. And then we go there and then realize, oh, there's lots of people dressed exactly like you. And then he's just like, oh poor thing that sucks it sucks but it's also like innately in tuned with the wrestle culture somehow just like we like jean (laughs) best but it was just like totally unknowing It's hilarious. they just like have that vibe right right yeah dj's got that too like, White wow, shirts, so gold funny. chain, black pants, nice shoes. <laughs> nice shoes. <laughs> or like all black. They really like just black t-shirt, black pants, and then like decked out shoes. Like they got to have like really nice sneakers. Glasses, sunglasses got to be really good sometimes. And uh, headphones. Always. I mean, yeah, exactly. come on. How can you even call yourself a, a DJ? <laughs> yeah, I'm a DJ. I got my little earplugs. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. They got a hoodie, a nice like zip hoodie. You got to do that. It'd be like black. But then the anime DJs, they got to have like a galaxy hoodie. Stop. Like they have oh like a pop-in. <laughs> J-, J fashion. <laughs> but the rest of it is still like black shirt, <laughs> black pants. We have friends who are anime DJs and they're going to get mad at you because they don't <laughs> do that. I mean, that's the look, if that's the look. I mean, it's a cool, I think it's a, it's, I think it's an improvement upon the regular DJ stereotypical look. So I'm like, yeah, if you're going to do it, like put your own spin on it. But I I just, I like (laughs) seeing that. That's so funny. So I'm sure as most people already know, the Kauai Monster Cafe is no more, very unfortunately, and it is very sad. Yes, moment of silence for Quiet Monster Cafe. But Kamila found a thing that is similar. Yes. So in Osaka, there is a different restaurant called Pink Cafe that is very similar to Kawaii Monster Cafe and like theming in a like aesthetic. I guess they don't have so much of the monster part of it but they have like really cute themed food that kind of like that has a lot of the food coloring things and theming similar to the kawaii monster cafe the way it's plated 
They also have cute people in the cafe. They also say something about like why cafe food and fashion. I don't know exactly like what that means, but I saw that there were some sort of things where they would invite cute people and they would sell like checkies or like maybe if they had some accessories or something. What are checkies? Oh, I thought it was the little um, pictures. I've never heard of them called that. I always just called them Polaroids. I don't know. Now I feel like I need to like check somewhere, but I don't know where the check. I've just heard it from other people. <laughs> so it's like the little Polaroids like from like the Instax cameras. I think they call it that because the the model of the camera is called a checky. Oh, kind of like how we call them Polaroids. Yeah, there's the Fujifilm Instax checky. But yeah, no, you are completely right. I I just never heard of them called checkies. That is very cute. Oh, that's cool to even know where it comes from. Yeah, they have like, yeah, these like different foods. And then I think when I went to Kauai Monster Cafe, there were like meals where the sauces were turned different colors, like primary colors or something like that. And so they have foods that are like that. They have waku waku, which looks like they're french fries and they have like red yellow green blue and purple sauces that you can dip your fries in which i wonder what those flavors are blue sonic curry (laughs) (laughs) i haven't heard of that That you've never seen the blue sonic the hedgehog curry no and i'm thinking like sonic the restaurant you're talking about like sonic the character yes like oh okay it is (laughs) and it's like not like a cute blue is the thing Oh, no, it's like navy blue. <laughs> oh, God. And yeah. these beans look terrible. It's natto. They look all slimy. It, it is. Natto is slimy. It's slimy, stringy uh, soybeans, I believe. In context with this, this looks not right. Yeah, the blue that they have is like not appealing. Yeah, it is not. Uh, oh, man. It's crazy how like food coloring can really like change your perception. Of have the you food. seen? They've made like two different yogurts. One of them is a Starburst yogurt and another one is blue gusher yogurt with bursting beads. There's like those little jelly beads that like pop and it's just like, this shouldn't be a yogurt. Why is this a yogurt? Is that like the same thing that's in like boba maybe? No, it's like a little, it's like a film casing and then inside is like this jelly and it pops. You know, boba is very chewy. You go through it. Yeah. This is like pop. Well, sometimes there's like, well, not boba, but it's like... At the place where you get the boba, there's like other little popping things that yeah, could there be in there. Popping pearls. That has but it has juice in it. It doesn't have like Yeah, uh, it's like that. This one is like more jelly like than juice like, but it looks disgusting. Oh my gosh. And it's yogurt. I don't even really like yogurt that much. Oh, I'm sorry, it's blueberry, but still, it should not be gushers should not be yogurt at all. Or Gushers could be yogurt if they just made it blueberry yogurt and then just be like, yeah, Gushers. No, no Gushers. 
but it's not gushers. No, no gushers. It's too powerful. <laughs> it's too powerful. Like yogurt needs to be Like it makes be... you think of gogurt. Like the gusher form of yogurt is gogurt. You have you ever why had gogurt? Say, yeah, why do you say these things? <laughs> <laughs> you don't like gogurt, huh? <laughs> it's fine, but like again, like just the thought of like blue gusher yogurt it's just too much yogurt has to be su- more subtle you know yogurt <laughs> has to make me go "Ooh, this is like creamy it should be like the thing and cream like peaches and cream strawberries oh, and cream yeah, yeah have that sort of feeling mm. but gushers no should not be with spoiled <laughs> curdled milk you heard it here first folks Hayden <laughs> stands against Gushers yogurt. I do. Gushers should not be involved in yogurt. <laughs> we're we're going to be a yogurt podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, this Pink Kauai restaurant is really awesome. We went from Pink Kauai restaurant to Gushers yogurt. I know, which they should have there. That seems yeah. like that would fit in with the quirky foods that they have. But yeah, if you take a look at their Instagram, they have like a bunch of cute photos of the restaurant. They most recently had two really cute decor boys that have attended there and one's name is Game Boy Shinji on Instagram and he's all about Pikachu. All of his outfits are like Pikachu themed and everything. And then his hmm not sure what relationship they have, but they kind of called each other like twins. They have like a Instagram together that's like Dagoshin twins. So I'm just like, so they consider themselves like twins, but they're not like probably like really twins their color scheme lines up really good yes the blue boy toy boy daigo they're so cute and so decora and it's like blue and yellow and they're on some sort of game show because they have like videos and stuff of it so i was just like oh this is cool i got to like discover this cafe but also more people to follow but yeah i'd say go follow them especially if you're into decora stuff and want like innovative inspiration of how to decoratize yourself and we have some updates that have to do with okay podcasts last month we talked about making a blog post and adding to our resources page to highlight the Black Indigenous people of color that we've had on the show. And we have done so. Our blog post is up, has all the episodes that we have had um, Black Indigenous and people of color on. And our resources page has, oh boy, let me pull it up because it's a lot. (laughs) So it's right under the general J Fashion resources category. We have brands, we have influencers, Instagrammers, and public figures. We have artists and content creators, and we have groups that you can go to. And now actually I am going to be adding the Disabled Lolita's Facebook group onto the resources page because I think that is a great thing to have on there. So if you are looking for more Black, Indigenous people of color to follow, brands to buy from, 
uh, magazines and blogs to follow artists, groups to join. Go to that resources page because who boy, it is long. And yes, we should keep this updated because people find these resources useful. Yes, most definitely. If you have something you want to add to our resources page, fill out the contact form that we have on our website and we will consider it for the resources page. It depends on what category we think it would fit best into. Just so you know, we are not promoting any shops that are not ran by Black, Indigenous, people of color. Because if people want to sponsor with us, it's like, well, if we're giving you free advertising on a resource page, what's the point? But we want to give that free advertising to Black, Indigenous, people of color, brands, companies. So don't just send us your your page if you're white, because we're not going to put it on a resource page. But if you want to talk about doing some, yeah, sponsorship or like podcast episode idea or something like that, you know, we'll definitely consider those things. If you have a blog or a zine that you would like to promote, you can hit us up and we will consider it. Those sorts of resources are very valuable and we want to give those resources advertisement. Um, any groups that you have, let us know about. And we do separate all of these by substyle. I would say right now we are lacking in Decora, Visual K, and Gyaru resources. So Hold off on any of the Lolita resources. We don't need them. There's plenty. Give us different stuff. (laughs) Please. Right, right. And just a reminder, please be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Give us a review on iTunes if you listen to us there. Become a patron if you'd like. If you can't become a patron, uh, consider giving a one-time donation on our Ko-fi account, which is connected to our website. And subscribe to our newsletter. We're going to start releasing those once a month. And that's going to be very, very fun. I'm very excited to create newsletters and just to make more things. It's so much fun. I love to make do graphic graphic design is my new passion. And I think <laughs> I should have done graphic design as my major. Uh let's do funny frog. I love that little funny frog <laughs> clip art that's, that's like too funny frog. <laughs> is that like a pose people know about funny frog? It's not called funny frog, but he like does that funny frog clip art. That's, Let's see. We need to make that a thing. I love frogs. If people don't know, I really really enjoy frogs. I feel um, like that's a decora thing. Like the decora kids are getting into frogs. Look at the frog. <laughs> Design is my passion. Oh. <laughs> Uh, this is giving a hug. Hey. Yes. <laughs> One plug I will give. If you like frogs and want really good frogs, you should follow Sticky Frogs on Twitter. They have like five or six frogs. Um, My favorite frog from Sticky Frogs is Voight because Voight knows his own name and he's very aggressive where like the owner will bring their hand in and Voight will just like start biting their fingers very aggressively. (laughs) So go follow Sticky Frogs. I love Sticky Frogs so goddamn much. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. Go ahead, grab some water, 
coffee, some food, a snack, and join us back in like 30 seconds for our interview with Leia and Katya. Hey y'all, it's Hayden. It's Kamala. We've talked a bit about how OK Podcast is a labor of love for us. Yes. Neither of us get paid to create this content, and we make it because it's important and we love to do it. Yeah, doing this podcast does take a lot of time and a bit of money, though. Because of that, we would like to tell you about our Patreon. If you become a monthly Patreon at any level, you'll get to contribute questions to our monthly guests. And if you donate at the $3 a month level, you'll gain access to our bonus patron content, which has special interviews with our guests. Like what it's like to be in a garusa, switching styles, and tips on modeling in Japan. There's absolutely no obligation to become a patron whatsoever, but we would greatly appreciate it. So thank you so much, and now back to the show. Woo! And welcome back. Today we are talking with Leia and Kat, two of the staff members from Papillon Magazine. Leia is the head of Papillon Magazine and has been a part of the production from day one. She writes articles and organizes the whole shebang from her home in Germany. Katya is one of the editors and designers for Papillon Magazine and joined the team before the first volume was published. Outside of Papillon, she spends her time deciding whether to buy clothes or video games. A very relatable problem. (laughs) I experience it every day. (laughs) Hi, everyone. How are you doing today? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're doing good. Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. The uh, the time differences uh, have been fun to work around. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, for they, sure. They have been interesting. <laughs> they are always so buggy. It, it's like always a little surprise in a box. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I feel you always get confused with American time zones. When everyone says like East Central time, it's like, um, can you speak in universal language, please? <laughs> <laughs> so the first question that we have for you both is how did you first discover J fashion? What was the first piece of media or art that you saw and made you discover this whole subculture like it was probably over 15 years ago I was like 14 I first got to know like through video games and I started listening to music like Visual K mostly Osiri K at the time and I think Mm -hmm. just like gradually through that I started liking Japanese culture and then fashion I think at some point kind of just naturally I got to know about Gyaru and while I didn't really think much about Gareth in the beginning, I knew it was there. And then I just went to Japan, went to 109, shopped a lot of clothing. And like the year later, I was like, hey, this is actually kind of interesting. And started playing around with the makeup. And 10 years later, I'm obsessed still (laughs) that's really interesting that you found it through uh music and video games as opposed to most of the guests that we've had on prior who find it through like comics and anime i just think that that difference is uh very unique yeah i guess it's kind of just like how it kind of evolved for me like i just started there that's how i like knew of things to begin with and from knowing that i started like branching out like oh what more interesting things can I find? So I first discovered it when I was around a teen also. Um, 
And the first fashions I really were inspired by were Decora and Lolita. So I definitely looked through those uh, fashions first. Um, and I also came to know Gyaru around that time um, through blog sites like Tumblr. Um, started Instagram a little bit more in high school. So that's when I also started looking at other J fashions, especially uh, like the Tokyo Street fashion accounts and such. Um, from there, I've always just been really enamored with Japanese fashion, and I take inspiration from multiple styles and models. So even if they're not um, Gary or whatever, I still find a lot of um, inspiration, um, not only through fashion, but also um, I use it as a uh, inspiration for a lot of my um, design work and such. So yeah, I just always been <laughs> really um, inspired by Japanese culture uh, since I was uh, younger. So how would you, like, given, like, where you started and everything, how would you describe your current individual J fashion style? Like, whether it's, like, a mixture of things or if you want to name maybe a sub-style that you mostly dabble in? I definitely like Onegyaru the best. It's a sub-style of Gyaru. It's more mature. It's more elegant often. But mm-hmm. recently, I think since this last year, like there was a lot of different type of inspirations. And I think like just having too much time due to quarantine and everything, I started like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I started really looking more at old school styles like Bampa and Mampa. Uh-huh. So like, especially Bampa, I really fell in love with the eye mix. So I take more inspiration from that makeup recently with the whites especially around my eyes I really really like putting more white eyeshadow now around my eyes than I used to right now I'm kind of like a mixture of like onigari kind of like more mature kind of clothing but my makeup is definitely more extreme than it has been in the recent years yeah I I find that it's very common with everyone right now that everyone is like you know what I'm just gonna try something different (laughs) there I'm gonna mix things up I'm gonna change things up let's just go nuts because there's no stress (laughs) of like do I have to go out later no I don't so I don't have to worry about showing my face to the world today so let's just like fuck it up (laughs) right (laughs) Especially if you hate it or something, it's like... <laughs> right, exactly. If you hate it, then it's just like, oh, you don't have to show show that part. Or like, I recently um, was just like, I'm going to cut half of my eyebrows so then I could do different eyebrow shapes. And I've always been super afraid of that because I'm just like, I don't want to have to feel like I need to draw my eyebrows every oh. time I go outside. <laughs> Or and then like I was afraid I wouldn't be able to know how to draw my eyebrows on, so just like ah, but <laughs> I just was like, well, I'm inside like most of the time, so if I go to the grocery store and my eyebrows are weird, like <laughs> okay. okay, the grocery store people can can see you, but no one else, no one right. else. <laughs> I've only had half eyebrows for a few years now, and I can tell you, I think it's amazing. It's so easy to draw on your eyebrows like that. I should have done it when I had the chance. I was contemplating it <laughs> last March because, you know, quarantine. And 
I I ended up not going for it, and now I'm like, oh man, they could have grown back already, even if I didn't like it. But hey, oh it's well, it's never too late. I think at this point it might be because it looks like things are gonna clear up in the next year or so. So I think it may be a little too late for me now. But you know what? My my excuse is that I have an eyebrow piercing, and I don't want that to like futz up the shape <laughs> at all. How about you, Cat? Uh, with quarantine too, I've also been experimenting um, with a lot of styles of Yaru. Uh, I do mainly dress in Hime Yaru though, but I'm actually still kind of a newbie because I started 2019, summer 2019. Um, so I have been experimenting also to improve myself. And so like I've been doing stuff like Aura Aura and Himekaji and I like a lot of the Kiaba Yaru. Uh, but essentially, I love anything pink, sexy. And with lots of lace and flowers. Uh, I also take a lot of inspiration from like the animes I watch. So like I do have pieces that I specifically bought because it reminds me of a video game character or an anime character. So it's like uh, half cosplay sometimes. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, I like J-Fashion cosplay. Like, oh, this this character wore J-Fashion. What would their outfit be? Right, yeah. It's, that's the cutest <laughs> thing. So I think um, Kat is probably mostly like a Yakuza type, type of guy. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> if anything, I think Kat should just live in there, like be with them all the time. Okay, okay yes. Call me out, please. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say that with the representation that Gyaru has in various different media from video games to various animes and mangas, I I feel like the representation and the ability to like sneak some cosplay elements is there. But it's also interesting to me because while Gyaru in um, anime and manga is seen quite often, it's never really talked about by name. They're just kind of there, but they don't say, oh, she's a Gyaru, or oh, she's a gal. It's just like, oh, that's a weird person with like white, white lips and eyes, which is just very interesting to me. I think maybe that's possibly because Japanese people kind of know what Gyaru is. Like, everyone knows what they are. They were, like, a super big boom. They were always on TV. And they still are quite frequently on TV. So to them, it doesn't need an introduction. Oh, maybe that's, like, the goth chick that's randomly on American TV shows. No one needs to say, like, (laughs) they are goth. (laughs) It's just really interesting to me, and I it's honestly a little disappointing because I feel a lot of younger folks could have an earlier introduction to J-Fashion uh, and Gyaru if they're if it was spoken about by name. Yeah, one one manga pops in mind pops to mind when you say that. Like, there's it's quite recent, and re- at the moment it's only in Japanese because it hasn't been translated. Oh, did so? It was it the person that um they did a a a blog sort of thing that like kind of talked about it and kind of translated some of the slang in it. Yeah, I wrote that post for Papillon. It's I, I'm kind of obsessed with this manga because the girl in it, she's super cute, super interesting. So yeah, they mm. they do introduce her as Gather. They do actually mention the fact that she is Gare a few times. At least if they would actually translate it to English, then for a lot of people, they would really learn a lot about Gare reading that. It's really interesting manga. We're getting there slowly but surely. Yeah. If it gets, yeah, if it gets translated or something, I'm totally buying and reading that. 
Yeah, it's I'd definitely recommend it for anyone that can read Japanese. So how was the idea for Papillon first conceived from these initial points in your life where you were getting into gyaru and you were discovering the ins and outs of the substyles? How did the idea for Papillon become something that you wanted to act upon? Okay, so... I was actually the kind of like, I guess you could say, founder of Papillon was a girl named Darla. She mm. posted about it on Instagram and I saw it and I was like, oh, this sounds super interesting. So I messaged her and I was like, oh, I definitely want to be a part of this. And then shortly after, Lala, who is our head editor, she made a mock-up of like a cover of the magazine and it was oh, amazing. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what solidified the idea and made it real. So Darla started kind of like moving on it and gathering people to actually make it happen. So in the beginning, it was kind of weird. Like Lala was her only editor. It was a lot of work. She was way over her head at the time. But thankfully, <laughs> yeah, thankfully, one of our models, Shein, she's a really good editor as well. She joined in to her. Later on, like, Kat came and basically saved their butts. And, yeah, it's just, like, it kind of just, like, started with Darla's idea. We joined, the ball started rolling, and somehow we made it all the way here. It it, it all just kind of came together all at once. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we have a thing now. Yeah. The team was kind of small to begin with, but I'm... Very happy with the team we have now. We have a few writers. We have more editors. Some have just as much as they can. But yeah, Lala, Shin, and Kat are definitely like pulling most of the work when it comes to editing. Katya, like, how did you become involved in the team? Like, were you there from like the very beginning, like the first kind of group, or uh, maybe there were some iterations and you and you saw some of the work? It was funny because. I joined simply because I was like searching through Facebook and I I literally just went on Twitter and was like, you know, I should check up on the Gyaru or something. Like, are they still around? So I was searching through Facebook (laughs) and I found like the main page, uh, Sekai no Gyarusa. And the very first post that I saw was an advertisement for Papillon Magazine looking for editors. So I recently finished college and I also finished a magazine for myself that I made uh, for my senior project uh, because I was a graphic design major. So I said, okay, well, I might as well try also because I'm not doing anything right now. Um, So from there, they accepted me. And yeah, so I joined right before uh, volume one was released. So um, I really helped with um, that that crunch period, basically. So I was able to be part of the team before the volume released. Um, I think it was maybe like a month or two later. You were thrown into that whirlwind right before it all happened. Mm-hmm. She really came in the nick of time and saved everyone's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kind of funny with that. I can't honestly remember if me and Kat ever discussed this, but like, I still remember so well before she joined us. I think, I mean, she was probably yelling into the void about Gara or something on Twitter. <laughs> I think at that time I was like looking for people to edit and like I saw her talking about this. And I was like, hey, you could check out Facebook, like just from Papillon's yeah. account. Because <laughs> I was like, how are the Gyaru? Yeah, they? I kind of recruited you, but like it was just like a weird twist of fate that she actually joined us. Secret recruitment from the Papillon Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, 
You want to be Gyaru, you can look at Facebook. Yeah, I haven't even started like getting into Gyaru um, when I was looking for the Facebook page too. So like pretty much when I joined Papillon, that's basically when I started Gyaru as well. That's cool. So like the staff for Papillon is huge. Like when I'm looking at the um, the website and who's on the team and everything, how did you find the team and how do you all coordinate now being like i don't know all over the world yeah we basically have a core team we're five it's me cat shin um lala and then we have kelsey so we usually mm-hmm. get together we try to find a time and a day that suits all of us and that mm-hmm. actually is kind of difficult because of all the time zones but we do that and then we set down a time and we get together for like often three or more hours and we just discuss everything what we want to do for next volume or the future models we want to add if there's anything we want to fix or whatever and yeah we all kind of think of some girls or boys or just anyone that we would like to add as a model we vote on it if there's a lot because we of course can't add too many people at each time mm. we will invite them send them a message like hey we, are, we really love what you're doing would you be willing to model for papillon or something like that sometimes they're willing sometimes they don't have time and we'll just mm-hmm. adjust accordingly it's actually been quite easy to get motels most people are quite willing to be a part of the project very cool. So are your models more of like one-off modeling opportunities or is it something that's uh, fairly ongoing and recurring per volume? Uh, it's mostly recurring. We have a few guest models that we ask like, hey, we think you would be perfect for this specific project. If you are willing to do so, then that'd be great. Often it depends on quality of photos, but depending on what kind of things we're doing next volume is that we might ask them to vol- um, model again. But yeah, most of our models are just um, reoccurring, like unless they quit or if we decide to just change up our models and like say, hey, sorry, we are changing our models. Now we need to cut off some. Which we, uh, to be fair, haven't done yet, but that might happen at some point since we have a lot of models already. Mm, I see. That's really interesting. And I know how the the big meetings go Kamila and I often have our own like once a month all right we gotta sit down we gotta work everything out we're just gonna talk it out until we like come to a good stopping point so I know exactly how those go and I can only imagine how the uh, differences in time zones can affect the possibility of dates yeah, then it's just like the problem of like, sometimes we just have too many ideas. We'll be discussing volume 5000, but we're like, we need to focus <laughs> on what we need to do right now. So like, sometimes we kind, it kind of gets out of hand, like we get too excited about different things. So we just like start chatting about something that doesn't even matter. So like, sometimes we really need to like be like, hey, we need to finish this thing right now and then we can move on. Yeah, yeah meetings are so hard. I understand why in like corporate the need to have like a position for like just handling like the meetings, just like the meetings are. That's just like, (laughs) no, we're off topic. (laughs) 
so how do the preceding Gyaru magazines that you've seen over the years inspire Papillon? And how does Papillon stand out and break the boundaries from its predecessors? I know that there are quite a few Gyaru magazines out there and all of them have their differences and similarities. But I know like already off the bat, Papillon has like a lot of very amazing differences that makes it more accessible. So I just want to know more about um, those standout points. Mm, yeah, I guess. Okay, so like with the name of Papillon, Papillon, of course, means butterfly in French. So the idea behind, or uh, like inspiration behind the name was basically Koakuma Akeha, since Akeha means butterfly as well. So that's the origin of the magazine, basically. And editing and style-wise, the editors often take a lot of inspiration from that, from Kookuma Akiha. I own a lot of Kyaru magazines, so I have taken just pictures from, like, nuts and Ak and just sent to them in a group chat. So I was like, ooh, this page is pretty. Oh, that's so pretty. That's so interesting. And, like, we just try and look at the magazines and for what they can give to us. But we, I have, we have also looked at Gallery IP, the previous Gaijin Gyaru magazine, for some inspiration. Which, I mean, it, it looks kind of outdated now, but, like, it's really fun to look at what they were doing. Yeah, like. I thought that was cool, Gal VIP. I thought that was really cool when I saw that. Um, I was really still, like, new to J fashion and everything, but then it was also, like ending by the time I was like being like oh what is this <laughs> I was a part of gallery AP as well with my sister we modeled for I think two issues together it was a lot of fun it was really too bad that it came to an end when it did I guess since we are an international project it's not just like in Japan it's just mostly just Japanese girls it's just like one size fits all kind of magazines we wanted yeah. to definitely expand more we want to be more inclusive to whoever that does the style so like we don't want to be just like you know Japanese magazines are mostly just very skinny girls they're all this kind of, I mean of course Gary magazines are not all the same but we wanted to be more inclusive that's what we've always been trying to do more and more and incorporate that. So like we have plus size models, we have a lot of girls of color. I don't know, it feels weird to say, like count it out like that, that I want to be like, <laughs> I don't know, it, it just feels like, weird to count like this just out. List like, like it's commodities. Yes, yeah. we have. <laughs> yeah, so it feels weird to say it. It feels weird to say it, but I think you get my gist, like... We just really want yeah. to be open to all, basically. Katya, from an editing perspective, are there any principles that you keep in mind when going through all the articles and the photos to make Papillon stand out and pull itself away from the other Gyaru magazines that are out there? So like Leah said, we do get a lot of inspiration from past Gyaru magazines. Uh, I usually start the process by just pulling up Pinterest and like looking through thousands and thousands of <laughs> Gyaru pages and, and scans and everything. I always keep in mind that like it, we can still get inspiration from the original source material too. But then what really makes us stand out really is the fact that we are Gaijin and that, you know, there. I want someone to look at our magazine and find someone that 
looks like them or like even just has the same eye shape as them, you know, that you can't really find in another Japanese magazine. That's the big thing that you could definitely tell with when you look at Papillon. It's like you can tell both the source material and you can also tell that we are Gaijin, which, you know, that's that's the main thing. <laughs> also, like with like editing and such, uh, each volume, of course, has a different theme. So we always stay on top of um, making sure we solidify that theme, that color palette, uh, what exactly kind of deco that we're looking for to decorate the, the pages. So we're very on top of that to make sure the entire magazine is cohesive because it's also since we have three or sometimes more editors, it's very important for it to look like it was made by the same brand instead of like a mishmash of people. So yeah. <laughs> So it's kind of like a, a remix and um, an updated version on the on the predecessors of Papillon. Yeah, I, I I'm always a big fan of like OG old school styles. So it's I love to see how the styles evolve and also how they take inspiration from the older versions of their sub styles. So it's just nice that y'all are keeping the uh, the OG gals, um, not OG, not OG O U J I, but OG original <laughs> gals in heart and in mind. So right now, the magazine is free and digital. Are there any plans for a print run or a paid subscription model? Last January, we had a pre-order for our volume one. So people yeah. did have the opportunity to buy a physical copy, which really went beyond expectations. It went really well. We have been wanting to do the same with volume two that we released last June. However, of course, with COVID, like we released basically in the beginning of COVID, there have been a lot of restrictions. And mm-hmm. our first volume, we were shipping from, we uh, printed and shipped from America. And right now, America mm-hmm. has a lot of shipping problems with, like, it does not ship everywhere. So we have been looking into different options and we are trying our best to get ready to do hopefully a small pre-order for volume two soon. So that's definitely something to look forward to because we have probably figured it mostly out. We're just tweaking some final things. So we're not going to make mistakes or at least not too many mistakes when it actually goes through. COVID is ruining everything <laughs> you could have you could have volume two in your hands right now but call yeah. it thanks covid no no more lamenting i, I we keep it, it always comes up in every conversation I, it always just gets me so sad <laughs> <laughs> i i say this i was the one who brought it up i apologize no you know the real the real enemy is international shipping fees so <laughs> For real. Oh, man. I had to pay like an extra $50 on a Taobao order. And now a package from Spain like just kind of disappeared on me. And I'm like, where are my bloomers? That's awful. International shipping was already a bit of a chore. And then with this winter that we're having right now, I'm not sure if y'all are aware, but specifically Leia, if you are aware, but we are going through an awful winter right now. So it's just kind of made. Are you based in Texas? No, thankfully. We're based in Chicago, but we definitely got, I think uh, in the past week, we got about a foot of snow. Yeah, it's been rough and I just feel for every single one of our postal workers. 
So a, a bit more on that coordination between different folks in different countries and different language barriers. One of our patrons, a messy toy box, asks, how do you secure models and interview guests from Japan? And we added on to it to say, how is the language barrier specifically navigated? I lived in Japan for around five years until just last year. And I speak Japanese after learning it in university. So generally speaking, it was IELTS was in charge of that. So with volume one, just I guess it's kind of just by luck. I got in contact with Black Diamond and I got to go and meet them and interview them for our first volume. It was like a super big feature, definitely more right. than I expected it to be. It was pretty crazy for like our first volume to have an opportunity mm -hmm. to like that. But it was so much fun. Uh, my sister also speaks Japanese and she sometimes works on the blog as well. So she interviewed the um, brand director of Datura, if you're familiar familiar with this Gary brand. It's, it's dead by now, it's not active. She created a new brand. Um, I was thinking it was just like mm -hmm. early last year. So it's been about a year since that was. And she actually contacted her and said, like, hey, can I interview you? And she was just like, yeah, sure, okay, send me the questions. No problem. It's kind of just like a mixture of luck and being able to speak Japanese. We have been able to get in contact with these people and they have been, thankfully, very willing to talk with us. We even like interviewed an AV gallery model. It was like really interesting. Wow. Hayden, do you know what... AV gals are? I don't, not at all. Uh, Leah, do, Leah, do you want to explain? <laughs> so AV basically just stands for adult video. So it's just, it's basically just porn. Oh, yes. I, I know what porn is. <laughs> <laughs> so a big thing with porn in Japan, like AV, is gyaru. That's just like a subcategory of itself. And this girl specifically that I interviewed, her name is Sorami. Her makeup, her look, everything is mampa. So it's like one of those, one of the most extreme styles of gyaru. So she's super tan, she has green hair and super big makeup and everything. Like she looks amazing. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. AV gals always got the best makeup going on. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they got to make sure it stays in place. For sure. I also like to hear that, like, as long as you're, like, able to find a way to communicate with other alternative fashion participants in Japan or creators or artists, they're generally open to, like, being interviewed or, you know, working together or something like that. Because I think we end up thinking like, oh, they're like in this glass tower and then we'll never be able to talk to them and they don't want to talk to us. And, you know, but it's just like, we're kind of on similar levels just in like different countries. So how do you keep up with Gauru trends in Japan? i.e. Japanese Gauru slang, when your team is international. I think you're probably getting into just people knowing the language on the team. Yeah, I lived in Japan, like I mentioned earlier, so I could, generally speaking, just see it with my own eyes, what kind of trends are popping up. Like, you always knew when a specific Louis Vuitton bag or whatever was popular because you would see absolutely everyone wearing it on the street. Like, it was very obvious mm. when trends were happening in Japan. Of course, with most Gyaru sub-styles, the stores that actually sell the clothes 
don't mm-hmm. exist anymore. But with some of the stores that are like with Onigiri especially, most of the stores are still alive. So I can see very easily what's gonna be trendy. Like this year, it's definitely like dotted everything and like mint and again like pastel colors like basically every spring to be honest but like it's always really easy to see what's going on in Japan trend wise it's it's fun actually it's I really like Japanese trends how they pop up and you like can see like oh actually like all the stores are basically having the same items but okay this one is at least cheaper (laughs) oh right like it's really obvious like overt yeah it's quite obvious and sometimes it's like something that started like last spring like really blows out maybe the year later because it didn't get enough exposure I guess last year but now everyone's like wait they were actually correct last year. This is a good item. We should do this this year. So sometimes mm-hmm. things like really blow out a year later, but you like you kind of could see it started the year before. That's often really interesting as well. But I guess if you want to talk about slang, like I only really use Japanese very much at work personally, but you mm-hmm. can see if you watch a lot of TikTok and read the comments. That's where a lot of the interesting slang actually comes from. Like one slang especially that's like if you say like lol for example in Japanese is often written just like www which looks like grass. <laughs> grass is written in kanji, Japanese kanji as kusa. So people start just using that kanji instead. Oh, that is so interesting. So if it's like super funny they will write the kanji for forest, which is mori. <laughs> if it's like even even funnier than that, they will write another kanji that I cannot remember at the moment. But like they will go like further and further on the same. Like it's all coming more from tr- just... more veget, more trees, more vegetation. Yeah, or something. <laughs> more flora. <laughs> yeah. I pers- I personally don't really read TikTok comments that much, but my boyfriend does. So he will he will tell me about these things. And then I just like Gary slang especially, so I will try to find articles about it. So like I have mm. translated some articles on Papillon's blog and of course like we mentioned earlier about the Super Baby article. I just mm-hmm. translated I think I read through the books all twice and just like screenshotting each page, like, oh this is interesting slang. Oh I can use this and stuff like that. So I use, I, from especially slang from that, because I remember that so well now, I use that a lot. And because it's just so fun, you can do a lot of wordplay with the slang that appears in Super Baby. Actually, Japanese yeah. people really love wordplay. They w- will change words up and they will add different kind of like suffixes, I guess it's called. Uh-huh. They change the suffixes of words and change them up in all kinds of ways. And it's really fun. Sometimes they even change, like, if you say, like, oh, that's crazy, it's, like, in Japanese, it's, like, maybe, yabai, and you just say, yaba misawa pionsuke, and then it's just, like, a name. Then you just, like, change how crazy it is into a name. Oh, okay. I thought that meant, like, OMG. Oh, it basically, it has a few meanings. It can mean oh. crazy or ONG. You can use it in a few different kinds of scenarios, basically. But, like, it comes about in a different way as opposed to how our slang comes about. So it just, like, those translation nuances just aren't there unless you know the history behind it. I think that's interesting using the rules of their grammar um, and, and bending those to make to make the joke. 
Yeah, basically Japanese verbs conjugate. So when you have words, we have conjugations in Icelandic as well. So when you can conjugate words, it's so easy to change them around into mm-hmm. some different form. And just you can change the latter part of the word and you still know what's being said. It's just like, it's a weirder adaption of the same word. Kat, on the editorial side, um, has there been any talks about taking the trends or slangs that are commonly used in the international gyaru community and using that for Papillon? Like, does that affect the tone at all for the magazine? Yeah, we haven't really uh, actively thought about that, but like we have started incorporating, like, say, like a few uh, Japanese phrases um, into the spreads and such. Um, I know that for me and some of the other team members, we do follow a handful of Gyaru, um, both models and just Gyaru individuals on Instagram. But, you know, some of us are illiterate in Japanese. So it's really more so for like inspiration and seeing how modern Gyaru are doing. So if we do notice, you know, like, oh my God, like this, this model or this individual is doing something really interesting. Um, Leia, can you translate real quick? <laughs> then yeah, we'll, we'll bring it up that way. <laughs> Or just, Leah, write this in Japanese so I can copy-paste it. Thanks for calling me out. <laughs> yes, I do that to Leia all the time. I'm like, I told you we were only beginning. Like, this is not, <laughs> yeah, we're just beginning. <laughs> I can see that the, uh, the Onegyaru teasing is starting to come out. It's truly big sister teasing the little sister here. Yeah, I definitely feel like teasing is big in Gyaru, at least our side of it. <laughs> and maybe uh, that could be an interesting little new feature in Papillon, just a little like slang of the month, <laughs> little segment in the corner of like, did you know that this is how this came up in Japanese social media? Or like, this is how this word came to come about. And now I'm just, I don't know why, but a lot of Gyaru magazines, like Egg and Nut uh, in particular, really remind me heavily of the early 2000s teenager magazines for some reason. Like, just the aesthetic of it all, how it's so, so much all in one page. Like, you you look at the early 2000s covers of, like, Tiger Beat magazine. That, like, that is what Gyaru, a lot of Gyaru magazines remind me of. And now I'm thinking of, like, making quick... <laughs> Making quizzes in Papillon that's like, are you qualified to be in um, Black Diamond Gyarusa? <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so, that's a good idea. No, but it's really funny that like you bring that up too, because I also, like in my Pinterest inspirations, I do look at um, a lot of those 2000s uh, Western magazines. And it's it's nice though, because I could find that as a way like to get more people interested in the Gyaru because you know if you like Y2K style then maybe you'll like some aspects of Gyaru. So there's always like some kind of substyle or some kind of thing about Gyaru that I think can appeal to other substyles because it like especially like with Hime Gyaru I started with Lolita of course but Hime Gyaru um, had more elements that I was interested in which is like the sexy factor and that like also the message behind Gyaru too uh, spoke to me more than um, I would say Lolita did. Like they're both in their own lanes of rebellion, but Gyaru's message spoke to me more with the be sexy, wild and free type thing. 
and then you look at Himegaru and it constantly gets like mistaken for Lolita for some reason. <laughs> so Yeah, which I'm just like, it looks I don't know. I guess to our trained eye, it's just like that's so different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> Cause yeah, to like the average person, it's just like, oh yeah, you're like um Harajuku Barbie or something. I'm like, <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> Like, even my Decora gets mistaken as, that's Lolita. And I'm just what? like, no, everything's not Lolita. Oh, my God. <laughs> I dropped a early 2000s cover of Tiger Beat magazine in the chat. You go and look and tell me that's not Gyaru. Oh, my God. Also, hot pink. Hot pink and the cyan blue, all of those teen magazines. That's that was the I, I kinda screen. I kinda feel called out looking at this cover because when we did our Valentine's <laughs> issue, it was pink and blue. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and then we had a blue issue as well. Our volume two was blue, volume one was pink. And we have always stuck to blue. Actually, like for our next volume, we just like no blue. We have overdone it on blue. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 went, we went kind of obsessed. Yeah, I mean, blue is a great color. <laughs> it will be back. I, I'm now scrolling through uh, Google images of just early 2000s teen magazines, and I'm being <laughs> transported back to um, the grocery store when I would just sit at the front by the registers. Oh this God. quiz in particular is your crush boyfriend material. Oh. What your phone case says about you. And this is just, <laughs> wow. I would be attracted to those covers. Like, I'd be like, oh, what's this about? And then it'd be like, boy bands and actresses that you want to look like. And I'm just like, oh. Got stale after a bit, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> just I'm like, I don't want this. I would read those magazines just for the quizzes. I don't know what it was, but I needed to oh, know. Yeah. I understand. I do love personality quizzes. American Girl books with <laughs> yes. all those quizzes in there. I'm just like, I need to fill out every quiz. Loved those. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I absolutely have to know like what style of pants yeah. is my personality. Right. <laughs> and I used to be like mystified by that. I'm just like, how do they know? <laughs> how are they figuring out like <laughs> making this quiz um, formula? I don't understand. They throw darts at a board and they go, all right, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like as a kid, I played games like that. We would like just, I think we just draw, like we would draw some sentences on a lot of papers, like who will I end up with in the future? Where will we live? How many babies will we have? Mm -hmm. It's like you drag one paper. Oh, I'm going to marry this dude. Ew. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I live in a small apartment with 10 kids. How is this going to happen? <laughs> or you do those paper things and yeah, then the you fortune would, like, tellers count yeah for fortune tellers yeah oh my god you're really taking me back and unlocking some memories in my brain right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know this just brings up a, an entirely different conversation of why humans are so obsessed with predicting the future like oh, why yeah. has astrology been a thing in every culture from since the dawn of time like what is it about us but now we're just getting like real deep into human <laughs> psychology <laughs> our pattern making instinct or something just becomes like we must be able to tell the future 
It's gotta be something. (laughs) So what has been the reaction from the Western community regarding Papillon? And do you get any feedback from Gyaru in Japan? Uh, It's been pretty positive. Like, we always get really good reception each time that we release a new issue. People are really great at just, like, sharing about it and talking about it. Like, that always really makes us happy. And we get a few messages here and there. It's like, oh my god, I love this. And then, like, just, like, when we released, uh, started selling volume one, just, like, to a small magazine that we believe ourselves to be, like, the amount that we were able to sell was just amazing. And it really helped because we used the, the profit in, like, I don't know, there's not really profits of it since we don't really sell it for a lot of money, but the money that we do get, we use to pay for, like, the homepage and just, like, any upkeep that we have. The reception has at least allowed us to do this all with ease. It's been really great. And it makes us happy every time, to be honest. It's really great when people love what you are working so hard to do. Right, right. Do you think the magazine is more about showing Western Gadu culture or like trying to translate Japanese Gadu culture to the Western community? Mm, I definitely think we are somewhat trying to do our own thing. Of course, mm-hmm. a lot of our models are heavily inspired by what's happening in Japan or mostly like by different time periods like I wouldn't say we have very many like modern takes of Gare because of course mm-hmm. most substyles are kind of obsolete by now because there's no clothing stores or anything to cater to them we definitely try to think every time we have a concept we want to do this kind of a thing like we had mm-hmm. a beginner's handbook basically was our volume two we had hol- Halloween we had holiday we just try to take inspiration but not copy what they are doing exactly I guess yeah and I would say also our magazine is basically uh you know proving that Gyaru isn't dead you know like even though some of those styles like you know Leia said like they're obsolete over there but over here it's like we're still keeping it alive and this is just proof of that so yeah that's like also the message we want to send because in other communities if you hear like <laughs> People always constantly say Yaru is dead when it's like, just go on Instagram and, you know, you could find something. Right, and Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. We're in a Gyaru rebirth. Yeah, I think like three years ago, everyone was just like, oh, Gyaru is dead. Oh, life is so horrible. Where are all the Gyaru? But it's like, if you just look a bit deeper, you can see there is actually a really big community not everyone is active of course like not everyone cares about being online and everything but like mm. even in japan there's probably a lot more gather than you would expect like there's especially this one festival that i would go to every year in shinjuku and oh my god the amount of gary you would see there like you would not believe that there are so many gary in japan because most People go to Shibuya and just go like, oh, there's no Gyaru here. They must just be obsolete, extinct or whatever. But there is actually quite a lot of Gyaru even in Japan. It's just about looking a bit deeper. I think sometimes when like something's like new or something's newly being like discovered or something like that, it kind of seems like, yeah, it's like happening all around us. And then once it kind of becomes stable then it's like, oh, it's not happening anymore. I'm just like, no, it's just not like, 
uh, the forefront of news right now. It's still happening. Or like Harajuku is dead, you know, and all the, you know, fashions with it are gone. We're not going to have alternative fashion anymore coming from Japan ever. I remember that was our first podcast episode topic covering like, is Harajuku dead? It's like in a way, yes, but not for the reasons that you think yeah. it is. Like, yeah, there's not a lot of gyaru in um, Shibuya. Yeah, there's not a lot of Fairy K and Decora and Lolita people in Harajuku anymore because it's all tourists. We're just not in those places anymore. Right. And I'm hearing a lot about Osaka being the next area that's like feeling more comfortable for alternative people to gather. I, I think overall the ease of access has been making it so the J-fashion communities across the world, but primarily in Japan, are not as condensed in one area. Someone who lives in Kyoto, who is in Julolita, there's a BTS, I think it's a BTSSB uh, baby. It may be an angelic pretty, I'm not sure, but there's a Lolita store in Kyoto. They don't have to move all the way to uh, Harajuku to get Lolita and to be immersed in that subculture. They can do it from other places in the world now, so I think there's the same amount, we're just less condensed. Oh, let me tell you though, like, when I went to Japan last year, and I discovered Closet Child, which is a second-hand oh clothing store. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, the Lolita yeah. dresses being, like, 20 bucks or something. Oh, that was a saving grace. I <laughs> was looking for Closet Child when I was there, like, four years ago, and I could not find it. And I felt heartbroken. There's a few stores, but I think recent years, a few of them have closed down. Like, there was one Closet Child specifically for menswear that I th in Shinjuku that I think closed down but like the one in for example Yokohama and the one wait wasn't there I think there was one in Harajuku as well that was really really good I, I love the Yokohama mm. one because it had so many CDs I bought the whole collection of Miyavi there I even bought myself a doll in Yokohama I was like wait they have dolls here now I'm just like ooh <laughs> but yeah I, I really really love them they, they have really amazing things often like it's like that's the thing too with um my uh j fashion too it's like i don't just look at like you know the, the typical like yaru brand or whatever or, like i always do love like a mars or a liz lisa or something but definitely look at um especially for he yaru i look at some lolita stores and i can find jewelry or you know um some other accessory that can work for it so it's like yeah expand your horizons yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we're still kind of at the uh, the beginning of 2021, and we were wondering, what is Papillon's mission, and what are your plans for this year to fulfill it? Um, I guess we just want to continue being open to all, inclusive, trying our best to just, like, keep Papillon for everyone. Like, I don't think we ever set out with a mission. Like, of course, the beginning mm -hmm. of Papillon was kind of like all over the place because mm -hmm. we needed team members. It was starting, like everyone was just learning. No one had really sat down and was like, this is what we want to do or anything like mm -hmm. that. I don't think we have a long term mission because like everything that we want to do is just like kind of crazy like it's like we want to do merchandise we want to do this oh this would be so much fun to do but it's like 
we really need to focus on now. Like this is kind of impossible task that we often have. Our plans is just like we are already working on volume three, which will be, be just heavily focused on makeup and just beauty. So yeah, that's just like our near future plans basically. Yeah, we're past the like solidifying the content list part and we're just waiting on the content now. So we'll be editing soon, which will be exciting. Um, I think also with um, volume one um, was especially made for the community that was already there. Um, that's that's the impression that I got. Um, and then from there, we're now, especially with volume two, you could see it's more so we want the community to expand. At least for me, Papillon's mission is to bring more people into Gyaru and to have more um, resources for Gyaru um, and newbies, especially because uh, we love newbies. I love I love seeing new people get into this community and like make things their own. Because like like we said, you know, uh, some Gyaru stars are not around as much anymore, or like we're the ones keeping that up. So it's nice to see people's other takes on it, like. And then you could see how there's more resources on like how to do makeup a little bit easier. Like, you know, we're not putting, well, I'll use the example from the cosplay community, which is like, we used to put like acrylic paint on our eyebrows to like color them. Oh yeah, but we don't do that there. anymore. And that's because we have resources now telling newbies like, hey, don't do that because that's like toxic to your skin. So <laughs> basically our, our mission is to just take over the world. Yaru, take over the world. <laughs> Put it simply. <laughs> I, I will I will uh, bow to the feet of our new Gyaru overlords very <laughs> willingly. Y'all can just like make me into your Gyaruo and I will I will gladly accept. <laughs> Where can our listeners find out more about the both of you individually and about Papillon? Give us all your social media plugs, Papillon social media plugs, whatever you want to drop links to. Now is the time to do it. Oh, okay. So, like, Twitter is basically Papillon109PR. Instagram, your magazine Papillon. Facebook, we're probably just, like, PR 109 So, probably same as Twitter. Probably both PR 109 is our handle. We have a TikTok as well, but, like, we haven't been very active on it recently. Which is maybe something we might want to fix or start using reels on Instagram. I honestly don't know. Then, of course, we have our homepage, which is magazine papillon.com, which we upload or write a lot of fun articles. We're trying to focus on writing about substyles so that we can teach more to beginners and those that will be interested in learning about new styles. And we, often, we generally speaking, have guest writers for that. Some of our models are writing articles on their substyles. And personally, I'm just Leas Onegaru Life on Instagram. That's what I use the most. I have Twitter, but it's like MEX Lea. It's just like an old one I've had since forever with my sister, since when she was Gyaru as well. I have a blog, mexlea.blogspot.com, but I'm a very infrequent blogger. I started blogging through, because of quarantine, of course. Everyone's bored in quarantine. Makeup tutorial on YouTube and my makeup account on Instagram, which is Lea Sparkles. My social media usage is kind of all over the place. But I think the best place is probably just Instagram, Lea's Only Gyaru Life. Uh, my socials um, for Gyaru stuff specifically is um, on Instagram, it's Caddy Galhime. 
Um, Catty is spelled like C-A-T-T-E-A, so cat T, like tea time. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then on um, Wix, I have a I have a blog site, uh, cattygalhime.wixsite.com slash blog. So those are most of my Gyaru content contained in there. Wonderful. And if our listeners want to hear more from Leia and Kat, we're going to be having a second interview about cultivating a Gyarusa uh, for our patron content. So if you are interested in hearing that, head on over to our Patreon, become a $3 a month patron. We are going to be doing that interview right after this one. So uh, it should be up there quite soon. With that, this has been OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. I'm Leah. My name's Caddy. <laughs> we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.